Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. Glad that you're with us and taking some time to focus on being with the Lord, being far better, but we're kind of stuck here for now, so we've got to make do with what we've got, and so we're trying to please Him now so our eternity can be far better. I've got back with me this week Josh Walker and Cody McCoy, and normally, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know that when I have guests on, me being a big sports guy, I've got to ask who their favorite sports teams are. So last episode, we started off with Cody, uh, and he talked to us a little bit about where he's going to be working at House to House, Heart to Heart, and PTP. And so we're going to start with Josh today. Josh, tell us your sports teams. You can be as specific as you want. You can go all the way from hockey to basketball to whatever. You can be as generic as you want. But whatever your favorite team, the one that you root for the most, give me a little background as to why. Uh first off probably my my favorite team of everything if i if i had to sit down and pick one game i was going to watch it probably be the texas longhorns um from the great state of texas i've rooted for them as long as i can remember uh, my dad was a longhorn fan that's probably where i got it from uh but i also live in a house uh my mom is a sooner my brother's an aggie uh so uh, some bragging rights uh, take place sometimes. Sometimes I got to take it as, as much as I give it. But uh, from a Longhorn, you know, from that perspective, Longhorn fan. Also root for the Yankees in baseball, which is kind of weird because I am from Texas. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my NFL team was the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I was born in Arizona. I've rooted for them since I was 10, 11, 12 years old. Uh, so it's not a bandwagon thing, yeah. you know, come here lately. I've, I've put up with a lot of bad years, uh, in it, but, uh, those are the three. I'm not really a, a fan of hockey or really NBA or anything like that. I, I watch it, but I'm not a, I don't have a fandom, uh, in those areas. Yeah, I'm, I'm different. The, the people on the podcast know this. I've, I'm spread out all over. Cody was in here a few minutes before we started recording today and he goes, so do you have a college team? I said, yes, it's Nebraska first. And uh, that means that throughout the years, because my dad's a big Nebraska fan as well, uh, Jackie has often done some uh, lighthearted teasing our way as well. We we say it's lighthearted; it's really not. It's it, it you know it's uh, not at all. It's not. Um, but you know we've taken that, and then of course the last matchup they ever had um, when they were still in the same conference. Oklahoma won that one, and then this year they they played pretty well against Oklahoma. I was I was impressed. I was pleased. But then I'm an Ohio State guy um, because the Steelers often draft Ohio State players. But baseball, I'm the Dodgers. Hockey, I'm the Ducks out in Anaheim. And then in basketball, of course, it's the Grizzlies. They're close. And uh, at the time we're recording this, they're in the playoffs. They look pretty good. We'll see what happens. But uh, didn't know you're Yankees fans. So that's that's different. You're right. Yeah. yeah. How long have you been a Yankees fan? Uh, Mid-80s. Okay. So, Don Mattingly and those guys. So, they weren't winning then. Yeah. Uh, so, that's not a bandwagon thing either. Yeah. It's just, uh, I, I don't know why. I just liked them. And I like Mattingly. And then in 96, when they started winning them, it, it started to become more fun. Well, yeah, I would imagine that. That's, my in-laws are big Bama fans. And so, that they talk about the years before Saban really took over and, right. and hit off that. You know, we had some lean years. It's hard to remember those times, though. So as we bring Cody in, uh, Cody is wearing his team's sweatshirt right now, a hoodie. At least I think it is. If you're not, you might be one of those people, though, that you just like to wear different sports stuff. Uh, that's fine, too. But, uh, Cody, tell us about your teams and why you root for them and all and, and 
we'll get started after that with the episode. I do. I'm wearing my favorite hoodie. It's uh, Arkansas Razorbacks. I was born and raised in Little Rock. Um, went to high school in North Little Rock. So that is definitely a, a hometown type thing. Entire family, all Ra- Razorback fans. My brother's actually the attorney for the sports department that's up there. And so the connection is is pretty deep with the Razorbacks. It's one that that um, that's the team. If you're telling me, you know, Josh wanted to see Texas, I've enjoyed the last few times our teams have played. Um, when we talk <laughs> about bragging rights, you can look up that from last year. Um, that's the number one team. And St. Louis Cardinals in baseball, again, that's a regional thing, but I've been told that my grandpa and great-grandpa both had contracts to play and were stopped by World War One and World War Two from, oh, from wow. being able to play. And so that's a long history in our family of being Cardinals fans. And then the odd one, I'm an L.A. Lakers fan. Okay. Um, and that's been never changed. Yeah. Football, um, don't have a pro football team. I think fantasy football kind of ruins you sometimes. You follow players rather than teams. But I like to see the Cowboys lose. Hey, I don't I don't blame you there. My wife's a Cowboys fan. Love you, honey. Uh, but I, I do like to see the Cowboys lose too, being a Steelers fan. Um, you talk about fantasy football before we get started. Turn you on to something that maybe you've never done before, but you might like it. It's called Dynasty Football. Uh, you guys have heard Jameson, his podcast before, Jameson Stewart. Uh, he and I are in a Dynasty League together. That's where you keep your players. And so uh, years ago, back in 2018, there was this uh, – well, 2017, I believe, actually, there's this quarterback drafted to the Kansas City Chiefs by the name of Patrick Mahomes, and he was left out in free agency. I picked him up and just stashed him. And then the very next year, he started tearing up the NFL, and uh, everybody was like, how did we not know that that was going to happen? So now, no matter what, I don't care if he is the worst quarterback that could ever possibly play. If there is a quarterback that gets drafted in the first round, he is not on free agency. He's on a team. And oftentimes people will make some really crazy trades to get them. So you're right, though. Fantasy football ruins you because you have a rivalry. And then you go, well, maybe their quarterback should be on my team. And you think, that was dumb. I shouldn't have done that because now I'm rooting for my guy to beat me. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's neat, though. The difference in liking teams um, tells us a lot about kind of Maybe a little bit about us more. Um, I'm a Ducks fan because I grew up watching the Mighty Ducks movies. It, it just makes sense. And so uh, we're, we're excited to have these two guys back on and to talk a little bit more about the theme, which is far better than, and today's episode is far better than things I cannot control. And so, uh, you know, we talk so much about what we try to control, uh, you feel unsafe, you buy a security system. That security system doesn't necessarily feel like it's up to snuff. You call that guy back out to give you a better system. Uh, you, you try to control everything in the world that you possibly can. And then there's things that just happen that you can't control. That's what we're talking about today. So first question, when can we determine that something is out of our control? Well, I think that's actually just all the time in reality. Um, if you, if you, you're part of the external world, uh, like you mentioned, we try and control as much as we can, but the reality is, is we really don't control anything except for how we react to everything that happens to us. Uh, you mentioned a security system uh, and you could put the best security system in the world. Uh, but you don't control whether the electricity goes out and right. that happens to be the night that the robber wants to come in. I mean, there are things that, that we don't control, uh, other than how we react, even our own bodies. 
uh, you could have a disease or something that goes against you and that uh, obviously you didn't want and you may exercise, you may uh, eat right, you may do everything that you can possibly do, but it still happens. Uh, I think that we're, we're always, in a sense, uh, not in control uh, outside of the fact of how we react to things. No, the part that I think about that when you talk about that, this whole conversation is really going to revolve around us being content. And I think that that's the definition of contentment is realizing there's so many things that we don't control. And so when they happen to us, we're okay with that because of who we are, that we have a belief in God and that he provides and protects us. I think that Paul talks so much about this state of contentment. He said that it had to be learned, Philippians 4.11, but also he writes to a young preacher first in 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 8. That's what he's telling um, Timothy. He said, godliness with contentment is great gain. And so if we were to pay attention to things in life or throughout the Bible that are gain, that's important for us to pay attention to. But their great gain, he gets back to this idea of being okay when the world happens to us. Yeah, we, we talked about sports at the beginning of this episode. Uh, hero ball is a term that often gets thrown around uh, in the sporting world. Usually in basketball, I hear that more in any, than any other sport. But hero ball is where one player has just got it in his head that without him, the game will not end in a win. And so he takes every shot. He has got to have the ball in his hand. And oftentimes what happens with that, trying to control the whole game as one player, you lose. And you don't have the success that you're wanting to have. Sometimes you've got players that are pretty transcendent to the sport and in a way that they can just basically close their eyes and do whatever they want and they can win the game. But even then, there are nights where they try too hard. They try to control everything that they can and they try to be so perfect. And I think that one of the most impressive things about the sporting world, when we're talking about things you can't control, uh, I hate the statistic that if a quarterback throws a ball and the receiver... um, you know, he hits off of his hands and it goes into the arms of a defender. The quarterback gets credited with throwing an interception. That is one of the dumbest statistics that I can ever think of having as a part of, you know, the statistical world of sports. And yet, then people will get on the sports talk shows the next day and say, well, that guy threw three picks yesterday. Yeah, two of them bounced off a guy's hands and into the defender's hands, and that's why he threw two, two other picks. One was his fault, but he can't control that. So what he has to do is he's walking off the field back to the sideline is he's just got to kind of shake it off, get back there, and get ready to go back out and play again. And the defense has to be able to say, okay, we can't control that we're going back onto the field right now. All we can do is control what's in front of us. We can control what we're doing, do our jobs, and try to get the ball back for our offense to be successful. I think about Elijah uh, in First Kings 19. There was so much that he was able to control in chapter 18, so much that he was able to do because God was on his side. Chapter 19, the first thing that he couldn't control was when Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. I want to take your life and I will make it like those that were in the last chapter or the gods can do to me and more also if I don't make your life as one of them by tomorrow this time. And then Elijah basically runs off and says, that's enough, God. You just kill me. I can't control it. I can't do it anymore. I can't be involved. Just take my life. It's not worth it. It's not. I just don't want to live anymore. And he tries to take what he can't control and he blows it out of proportion And God has to basically remind him, hey, something is in your control 
and some things are not. And that's what we're really talking about in this episode. And so Elijah is a really good example. But that brings us to the second question. And Josh already kind of alluded to it with the answer, but can Christians really not be in control of their own lives? Uh, I think 100%. I think almost to a degree that's what's expected, like Cody. Uh, Cody made the point that we learn to be content with whatever uh, state we're in. Uh, now, do we have a say in, in, in how some of that stuff takes place and, and how things play out? Of course. But uh, I, I think from the standpoint of just can we really just not be in control, I think there is a sense of that uh, that, that takes place. Uh, Matt, you know, Jesus talked about in Matthew 6, saying God feeds the sparrows, he clothes the, the grass, he clothes the grass of the fields, and you're more important than they are. And uh, there's got to be that faith that you're going to be taken care of. Uh, not necessarily from the sense that you can just sit back and let it happen, but there is that sense that if, if I am living my life according to what God has commanded, then I have the trust that he's going to come through and take care of it the way he has said he's going to. There, there are a lot of things in our lives that when we talk about being out of our control, those are the things that give us anxiety a lot unnecessarily. The thing that I think that we need to look at is all of the letters that were written to these churches were telling us about Christian living, how we ought to live. And in that aspect, that's how the Christian takes control of his own life, to be able to inform himself of what, what Paul wrote to them and, and Peter and others that were inspired to do so. And that if we can live by those, then we are controlling our lives to a certain extent, um, knowing ultimately that those things have been controlled by God. Um, and also in the decisions that we make, we can have control when we make decisions before they occur. Um, when things are going great for us and, and life is good, um, we need to be able to make decisions. What if life wasn't so good? And how am I able to react to that? And so when they do come, and they will, um, if the Christian's doing what he's supposed to, maybe it comes in the form of calamity, but also maybe in the form of persecution, it's a lot easier for him to feel in control, with the air quotes, um, of his life. But it's all provided um, because of the answers God gives us. Yeah, too much of life is spent trying to prevent the inevitable. Uh, I am going to get sick. I am going to die. Um, I am going to have financial hardship. I'm going, I, those are going to happen. And you, you can talk all day long about financial success. And I could, I could bring Dave Ramsey onto this program and we could have him talk about financial peace. And yet nothing can prepare you for something crazy to happen to your bank account and to the financial institutions. And all of a sudden Money is not what it was once as far as the amount it is. We have this term we call inflation. And now all of a sudden, people who might have been well off a year ago are struggling. And they're struggling not because they haven't done their part and done what they wanted to do. It's because they couldn't control what happened. And there are genuine things that are not in my control. And it's one of the hardest things because I think most of us spend time, just like we said at the beginning of this episode, trying to be in control. We don't want to be controlling, but we want to be in control. You know, if, if you were a little kid and you were asked as a, uh, a little boy playing football, what do you want to be when you grow up? Most kids are going to say, I want to be the starting quarterback in the Super Bowl, driving my team down to win, win it all. That's what they want to do. I've never heard a kid say, you know what? I wouldn't mind being like the kicker 
uh, or the punter who has to pin them back deep in the Super Bowl. I've never heard someone say, that's what I want to do. I've never heard someone say, uh, I want to be the guy who's the water boy. It's always the most important position, and you want to be in full control. As a Christian, you really can't do that. You have to put your faith in God. And that's what Elijah had to have happen to him, you know, where this angel shows up and gives him food and drink and says, go back to sleep. The journey's too great for you. And the whole time we can read that and say, oh, wow, God's providing for Elijah. But I think there's a lesson there that is sometimes overlooked, which is, Elijah, you've forgotten who's in charge here. The same God who helped you have victory over the prophets of Baal is now the God that's saying, I'm still on your side. I still have your back. And it gets to the point where Elijah has this pity party and says, I'm the only one that's left. You know, how am I going to make this? And No, there's 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal yet, and you're not alone. You need to kind of wipe that off your memory and get back to work and go and keep, keep going and keep going on to the fight that is before you. You can't control everything. And that's because of our last question. Who is ultimately in control and why? And I know that's probably, I hate to say it this way, but it's probably the dumbest question to ask at the end of a podcast like this. But I wanted to end on a positive note to remind us who truly is in control. Who is the one that needs to be considered as being in control? Who's the quarterback, so to speak, of our our lives? Well, obviously that's God. Uh, it's not a not a dumb question, but it is an easy question to answer. Um, you know, Daniel talked about the fact that he rules in the kingdoms of men. He puts, you know, men in power. He takes them out of power. Psalms 22 would, would allude to that as well. For me personally, and this is just my own personal, uh, I guess, faith building thought is you look at the church, uh, and you look at the odds from a world standpoint that were stacked against it. Daniel 2 is, you know, where or when it was going to come to fruition. Isaiah 2, where Micah, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Joel 2 is how it come to fruition. And then you go to Acts 2 and it, it, it happens exactly the way it, it said it was, or God said it was going to happen. Uh, and then what the promise he makes in Daniel 2 and Daniel 7 is that the church would outlast any nation. And you look throughout history at the nations that have existed and some of them, and I think America's one of them. When you're living in that time, you think there's no way this name, the Roman Empire is probably one of the greatest examples. People probably thought there's no way this empire ever crumbles. It will last forever. And, and the reality is, is, is the Roman Empire is a distant memory. Uh, but the church is, is still here, just as God promised. And, and I'm confident that nations will continue to, as if the Lord... Uh, allows time to continue nations will continue to come to power and they'll continue to be juggernauts and then they'll continue to fail uh but the church is is gonna gonna remain you know intact and and i think that's uh, a lesson for us that when it comes to priorities you know i could pledge allegiance to the flag but one day that flag may never exist but i can pledge allegiance to the church and guarantee to pick a winner every time and what a great thought. I want to go back and talk to something that thought about when you're talking about that punter or that long snapper, that at the end of the day, there is a role. I think about congregations, there's roles that need to be filled and there will be times that we need to step in and be a punter because we can punt. But at the end of the day, everyone on the team got the Super Bowl ring. 
and within congregations and when we take up that role, maybe we're not in control, um, but we're still a part of that team that's going to receive the reward. And I think it's important, very important for us to remember those types of things um, when we're in there. But then the, the final thought for me about who who's in charge um, comes from Hebrews 13, 5. Again, it's this um, idea of the Hebrews writer talking about contentment. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And I don't think, I mean, I'm sure that there's other verses, but for me, that's the one that hits home. And I don't need to be in control because I have someone that knows what I have need of before I even ask it. Again, we're going back into Matthew 6, where Josh was earlier. He already knows. And if I know that he already knows, it's easier for me not to be in control. Yeah, and one of the things you just alluded to that is very similar to a parable Jesus told, if a person gets signed to a team the week before the Super Bowl and they win the Super Bowl, that player who got signed to the active roster, maybe because there was an injury, he's going to get a ring. He played one week, one game, practiced for one week, and probably – because of the injuries, probably didn't practice as difficultly throughout the season as it would have been for him. He, he just showed up and probably had some walkthroughs and other things to worry about because we don't want to run the risk of another body going down. And yet he's still getting a Super Bowl. He's still getting a ring. And that's very similar to the parable Jesus talked about where someone comes in and they get the same wages having worked at the very end of the day as someone doing at the very beginning all day long. That's what becoming a Christian really is, is it's reminding myself that I'm in this from the time I start until the job is completed. And one of the other things that was mentioned there by Josh, the things that we can control, I think need to be talked about for just a brief moment. We can control how our country is being run. We can control how our schools are being run and how our communities are being run. If we won't control those, we have no one to blame but ourselves when our nation becomes like Rome, like Greece, like all of these other nations and world powers that have fallen. And America is at a point in life where we're coming dangerously close to having that same history lesson where we were once considered to be at the very tippy top and we got so prideful and so arrogant that we thought that we were above everything else and we didn't have to worry anymore. And now we have these problems coming on our doorstep. Can't blame anybody but ourselves for those things. But the things we cannot control definitely need to be considered. So before we end this episode, uh, does anybody have anything else they want to say? Josh, you got something? You know, you, you talk about worry, you know, stress, and, and I don't have the the sources for this. I have them. I just don't have them on the top of my head, but this is a podcast, so we make stuff up, can't we? Uh, no, but I'm kidding. Uh, but but 75 to 90 percent of all doctors' visits are stress related. Uh, they also did studies and, and said that uh, stress can age the human body by up to 10 years. Uh, and and so you know it's an issue. But when you start to classify worry, uh, it really falls into one of three categories. It either falls into a category that we worry about something that's already happened. We worry about something that's inevitably going to happen or we worry about something that's never going to happen. And when you start to look at it from that standpoint, you start to realize kind of how useless worry is. Not saying, you know, not saying that we shouldn't be concerned about things and we shouldn't, you know, make preparations or precautions, but uh, I'm talking about worrying from the standpoint that it's almost crippling. 
that we don't do anything. And we look at it from the standpoint of those, you know, something that's already happened, you know, let's, let's work and do what we can to fix it. Uh, something that's inevitably going to happen, let's prepare for it. Something that's never going to happen, what's the point of worrying about it? It's never going to happen. And, and going back to First Kings 19 and Elijah, you know, uh, Jezebel made the threat. He was concerned that she was going to kill him. He tells God, uh, take me now because he wants to avoid all that. But when all said and done, Elijah never died. Yeah. And so, you know, you kind of look at that worry and there was no reason for him to worry at all. And I think the way you can have that confidence is to, like Cody said, understand that God knows everything that's going to happen. He knows what's inevitable. He knows what's not going to happen. And we can put our trust in him, live according to his will, and just react the way that he tells us to react. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is a uh, that's a good good point because so much of life worrying, you know, uh, if we could just get to a point where we could truly apply the water off a duck's back to our lives, we would be a lot better off. I, I would dare to say we'd be far better than we are normally in life. Uh, jo- or Josh, Cody did that earlier when I thought it was Josh walking in. I said, hey, Josh, it was Cody. Cody, do you have anything else you would like to add? Yeah, we'll walk back to Matthew 6 just one more time because he says, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? And I do think that we spend a lot of our time Think about these things, like Josh said, that are never going to happen. And then once they don't and you get past that point and you're no longer worrying about that, you look back and there's so much regret of what you were thinking. I wasted all that time, all that mind energy wasted, and I'll never have that back. And one thing, Katie, my wife and I, we talk about all the time when there comes um, something up that is a big deal in life. We ask ourselves, will it matter in a week? Because if the answer to that is no, it's really not going to matter in a week, then you just need to leave it alone. Um, and then things, that w- if it's going to matter in a week or a month or a year or our lifetime, then those are decisions that you need to spend time in prayer about, that you need to make good decisions, that you take on your mentors to be able to help you with that. But if it doesn't matter tomorrow, doesn't matter in a week, let it go. Absolutely. Uh, that is so important. Things I cannot control. You would think that that's not going to be an issue forever, but I can tell you that uh, I still am find finding myself at night seeming stressed out about certain things that might come up that could come up. And I have to remind myself the the chance of that going to happen, like it's the irrational fear. I'd liken it to a toddler as we're kind of closing out here. My son sometimes will be so scared when the thunder hits. He thinks in his mind the thunder is coming for Adam. That is all that is on the thunder's mind is getting my four-year-old, and you cannot convince him it's going to be okay. He just says, no, the thunder is after me. The thunder's after me. A lot of times that is exactly what worry is in our own lives as adults. No, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. The likelihood of that happening, though, is so small. The chances of being struck by lightning, come on, man, you know, let's put some real and reality into our lives and some reality glasses on, if you will. I'm thankful for these guys. We're going to put their information in the show notes, um, and that gives you the opportunity to kind of be involved in knowing what they do uh, with PTP and House to House, with Monticello Church of Christ, and all of the things that they're involved in. We'll have that down in the show notes below. But next week, we're going to be talking about another important topic, and it is far better than focusing on my failures. And so we look forward to having the time together for one last episode with Josh and Cody. And we are excited to close this episode out with giving you the same tagline that we always give you, which is 
remember to please God now so our eternity is far better. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.